Good morning. I want to say that um, I'm a grateful follower of Jesus. I struggle with uh, areas of uh, depression, fear, um, control issues, procrastination, and a host of others. My name is Wes. If you've been to a Celebrate Recovery meeting, you know that's how you introduce yourself. I do that all the time now. I have to watch it because I do presentations for work. <laughs> As a matter of fact, back in March, I did a presentation in Orlando for the Century 21 Real Estate International Conference, and I was in front of about close to a 1,000 people. And I wasn't feeling good. I had pneumonia when I got up there. And I wasn't thinking real well, and that's not unusual, but this was extra bad. And I almost slipped into that. So would have made an interesting presentation. Um, I'm honored to be here this morning uh, and humbled and happy to be with you. Um, I was wondering why Ben called me last Saturday to ask me to speak, and now I remember. Yes, I'm on the Aslan board, and that's our connection here pretty much with the church. And um, I'm very excited about what is happening in this church. Um, I love Celebrate Recovery. I think it's one of the best things that's ever happened to the church. Um, it's real, and uh, it meets people at their point of greatest need and brokenness, which is where Jesus meets us. So it's a wonderful healing ministry, and it, it's, it, I, I, I don't know what else to say. It's just been an amazing journey for me and my family. Um, my wife and daughter Megan are here this morning, and we're just grateful to be here. So um, I know you're going through life's healing choices. So Ben asked if I would take the next step with you, which is the third choice, the healing choice. It's the choice of commitment. Um, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I think I have everything turned on properly. I was already wired before they hooked me up. Okay. So John Baker is the man who started Celebrate Recovery, and he's the man that wrote the book, Life's Healing Choices. And it took me a little while to put connected dots. Life's Healing Choices, there's eight choices and uh, there's eight principles in Celebrate Recovery, and the choices and the principles are the same. And in, if you know anything about Celebrate Recovery, everything has an acrostic. <laughs> and this is no exception. Life's Healing Choices has an acrostic. So for the eight choices, it spells out the word recovery. So today we're on letter C. I feel like Sesame Street. We're on letter C this morning, <laughs> which is the third choice. And it's based on, one. all of them are based on a beatitude. This one is based on uh, Mark, uh, Matthew 5.5. 5. And this is the expanded Bible. They are blessed who are humble, meek, and gentle, for the whole earth will be theirs. Now, more traditional translations says the meek, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Okay, I like the way this was worded because it brings in humble and gentle as well as meek. We're going to talk a little bit about what meekness means in a little bit. But the whole earth will be theirs. Okay, I borrowed one of Ben's slides, and I added to it. I added some of my own stuff to the list. Um, I would imagine that if we're honest with ourselves, that everyone in this room can relate to some of the words on that slide. That you identify some struggles in your own life 
that are represented up here. Oops. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. I could add more, but I didn't have room. <laughs> I could have added more and you couldn't have read it. Uh, would have been too small, uh, the print. But I'm dealing with some issues in my own life, and I could identify many that are up there. So we're all coming this morning to this time and place with hurts, habits, and hang-ups, right? So just to review quickly, the first choice is the reality choice. Realize that I am not God. I must humbly admit that I need help. That's the R. Realize I need God, and I'm not him. Number two, choice two is the hope choice. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Now, we're at the point where it's time to let go. We've acknowledged our weakness, our powerlessness. We've also recognized that there's a God who is greater and who is all-powerful. But that's not enough just to recognize those things. In order to move forward with our lives and to gain the freedom and the healing that we need, it takes action. The problem is that for a lot of us, myself included, we get stuck. Our whole life might be stuck, or we might be stuck in a specific area where we can't seem to get going forward. Well, part of the problem is is that we're hanging on to something probably something that's not worth hanging on to, something that's not even good for us. So this is choice three. It's called the commitment choice. And this is where we take action. We make a commitment consciously to choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Now, as I said, we've admitted we are powerless, at least up to a certain point we have admitted that. We've come to recognize it and that we are not God. And we've also acknowledged God exists and that we matter to him and that he has the power to help us recover. Now, it's really important as we begin this morning to understand Jesus says, come as you are. This is not a situation where I've got to clean myself up, get it together, pull myself up by my bootstraps, because none of that's going to happen. How many of us know we've tried that and it doesn't work? And a matter of fact, it probably makes things worse. So it's not just me. Thank you. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what Jesus is saying there is not that following him is easy or that recovery is easy. It's not. Jesus never said that was easy. He says, my yoke is easy. What is a yoke? Well, we don't live in a farming community 100 years ago, but if you go up to Amish country, you can still see this, okay, up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. By the way, if you're from Pennsylvania, it's Lancaster, not Lancaster. (laughs) Just saying. So you will see teams of horses, for instance, pulling 
farm implements, and they have a yoke. It's what, it's what holds them together, okay? And in our case, we're yoked to Christ when we come to him and turn our lives over to his control. We yoke with him. And I don't know about you, but in my case, he's, he's doing 100% of the pulling in this uh, relationship. So that part makes it easy. When I'm yoked to Christ, I can do anything he wants me to do because it's him. But we get stuck. We don't get to that point a lot of times. What's holding us back from letting go and moving forward? Now, that's an individual, personal inventory question. What is keeping us from letting go and letting God? Well, I want to suggest to you that there's five things that frequently show up with regularity, common barriers to making this commitment choice. And what is stopping us from receiving that peace that surpasses all understanding? What, what is it? His word says that even the winds and the sea obey him. We sang about that this morning. He healed the lepers, caused the blind to see and the lame to walk. When Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on the water. The grass grows, the trees sway in the wind, waves hit the shore, and mountains are mountains reach into the sky, clouds. So we have an all-powerful God, and these are things that point to that. So that being the case, what's holding me back? In Life's Healing Choices, John Baker talks about five things that keep us from making the choice to surrender total care and control to the one true God. So there you have a blank screen. That was where my mind went blank. (laughs) All right, here are the five things that we're going to cover for the next few minutes. Pride, guilt, fear, worry, and doubt. Those are the most common barriers to making a commitment to turning our lives and our wills over to the care and control of Christ. Pride. What a powerful word. What a powerful force in many of our lives. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's one of the scariest verses for me because I really struggle with pride. Where do we see pride operating in our life? Well, it often is where we think we can do things on our own, where we say to God, I got this. I know something about this. Matter of fact, I'm probably a certified expert on pride, years of experience, uh, because most of my life, um, I lived a life that was really dominated by pride, fear, shame, and pride, those three forces. And I chose my own way, and as I continued to do that through the course of my life, I sunk deeper and deeper into lies, hypocrisy, deception, isolation, immorality, and denial. So how many can relate to this? Strong-willed, white-knuckling it through your daily lives. Take a quick story. Uh, Nearly 35 years ago, and I'm only 29... (laughs) 
I moved to Baltimore <laughs> to pastor a church right down the street. I had no idea what I was doing. The most amazing thing about the whole journey is that I didn't know Jesus Christ. The church grew. Uh, of course, we were in the shadow of Johns Hopkins uh, University and some of the other schools, and we attracted a lot of kids. Some of you might be uh, young adults from college. Uh, church primarily grew in that area. I did not know Jesus. And um, that was a real problem that I did not know I had. But I was very strong-willed, so a lot of what was accomplished was a result of me white-knuckling it through those five years that I led the church. Don't recommend it. <laughs> when, I, when I finally crashed and burned and then surrendered my broken life to Jesus, humbled myself and realized that without God I could do nothing, he began to change my desires, lift my, the deceptions, and expose the lies, and gave me the hope and courage to follow him. That's what got me unstuck. Um, it was a very dark period in my life, uh, very traumatic, but here I am this morning, and I thank him for that. He brought healing and freedom into my life. I began to experience peace and joy and love that could not be completely explained or understood, nor could I tell you that I understand it today. But it's true. And he's been restoring the years that were robbed by my destructive lifestyle and healing relationships I had destroyed, and he continues to show me his unfailing love. So, how can we say no to that, right? Guilt and shame can break our spirits. That was uh, one I borrowed from Ben. So that's the second barrier, guilt. Now, guilt and shame are not the same. They're often coupled together. They're almost like Siamese twins. But guilt has to do with things that we've done, and shame has to do with who we are or who we think we are, okay? And again, they, have, they, they, they often go together, but they're not the same. I had a lot of shame that I carried from the time I was a young a young man or a young boy because of something that happened to me. I had a sense of guilt that wasn't legitimate, but nevertheless it dominated my life. And that shame controlled me for nearly 40 years. And it was through Celebrate Recovery that I, I began to get the traction in my life to be able to deal with that, recognize it and be able to deal with it and turn it over to Jesus Christ. But guilt is the next barrier. John Baker asked the question, have you tried to make deals with God? How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> God, if you get me out of this mess is a common one, right? I will, and you can fill in the blank. Maybe you've asked for yourself so many times that at this juncture, you're embarrassed to ask him anymore. You feel guilty about even, you know, considering it. Maybe you think that you don't that you uh, don't ask for help. He won't know you need it if you don't ask him. How many of you know that's not right? <laughs> okay. Or I have 
I have done all of the above, by the way. I've put it here in writing. I actually tried to hide things out of guilt. Um, that doesn't work either. I mean, if my mom had eyes in the back of her head, <laughs> you know, it's like, are you serious? He doesn't know what's going on. Like Rick Warren says, he knows the original number of hairs on your head and the original color. <laughs> he knows it all. I mean, a sparrow doesn't fall to the earth without the father knowing it. And if you read Psalm 139, he knows everything now. So all that's going to happen in your life, he already knows it. No surprises. He's not shocked, not caught off guard. Not wringing his hands and saying, oh boy, I've got to come up with plan B. He knows. Okay? And he wants to forgive us and take away the shame. His desire for us is to live a life of abundance, not a life of bondage. Next barrier is fear. It can absolutely paralyze us. How many of us have been immobilized and totally stymied by fear? Yes? Fear that our children would not recover or survive. Fear that we would lose our job. Fear that we didn't know where our next dollars are going to come from. How we're going to make ends meet. Uh, fear of someone coming into our home that was not invited. Fear of um, finding our way home safely, getting lost. Um, how many of you, by the way, are... Um, Directionally challenged. Yeah. Even with the GPS, right? <laughs> so we live, we know we live in a world of fear, and there's a lot of things that, that contribute to that. But, you know, I think today especially we're seeing an intensity in the area of fear. You know, we've got, we've got some serious terrorism going on, and it's here now. So we do live in a world where all the things that we used to feel secure and safe in are not there anymore. Okay? My biggest fear, as I began to share, because of the guilt and shame that I carried, was people really knowing me for who I thought I really was, that they would find out. And if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. And the deception there was I thought I could control what people thought of me and how they would respond to me and how I could project my image to them. Spent a lot of years and energy on that. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, he promises to take away those fears. And I can tell you, he is doing that for me. And I can't even begin to tell you what that feels like. It's amazing. Here's a great verse of scripture, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. That's David's testimony, Psalm 34, 4. We only need to seek him. Next barrier is worry. How many here have perfected the art of worry? As a matter of fact, it's not even an art anymore, it's a science. <laughs> you, you are worry engineers. Um, Somebody said that worry works because everything they worry about doesn't happen. <laughs> well, we have a saying, and you, many of you have probably heard it, in recovery community, one day at a time. 
You know where that comes from? Jesus. Right? Matthew 6. So, um, how many of us actually do live one day at a time? A couple people raised their hands. Well, in Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking to the multitudes about worry, and he tells of how God takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, and that we should not worry about what we eat or drink or wear. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Now, he adds one more thing to that, because tomorrow has enough trouble to take care of itself. But we're not there yet, so we don't need to worry about it. I like what uh, Zig Ziglar says. He says, I'm so optimistic that I'm going after Moby Dick in a, in a rowboat, and I'm taking the tartar sauce with me. <laughs> now, the reason I bring that up is because how do you eat a whale? One bite at a time. Okay, And that's how we have to live our lives. Jesus says, you go after this whale called life one day at a time. Bite-sized units. He's willing and does care for us and provides all that is necessary. We only need to seek him and ask him. Next barrier is doubt. Now, the question that often comes up that we ask ourselves... Is my faith too small? Do I have enough faith? I've asked myself that question. Do you doubt if God would help you or why God would help you in some of your circumstances? Have you ever faced a challenge or a trial and, you know, you're just in a frenzy because you don't know if you have enough faith or if God cares enough to help you through it? So why would the all-powerful creator, Lord of the universe, look at me and say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Why would God say that if it weren't true? You remember the story of Jairus? He went to Jesus with a request that many of us as parents would ask have asked in some cases, please heal my child. But Jairus had doubts, and he asked for help with his unbelief. And what was Jesus' response? Do not be afraid, only believe. And the girl was restored to life. So we only need to seek him and believe and be honest. You know, if you're struggling with unbelief or doubt, God knows that already. But confess it to him. This man did. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know he's ready to do that. Lord, help me believe. I have a friend that we coached baseball together, and then he later coached me to Christ. And he says, little God, big problems, big God, little problems. What does that mean? Well, if your God's too small, your problems are going to be too big. So it's really not a question of how big is my faith, it's how big is my God. So we come back to our key verse that's linked to this uh, commitment choice. The meek and lowly are fortunate, for the whole wide world belongs to them. For the meek, 
the world is your oyster. I just had to put that up there because this is the City Harbor Church and Chesapeake Bay. All right, what does it mean to be meek? Well, what do we often think of when we hear the word meek? What kind of visuals do we get with that word? Weakness, right? Doormat, pushover. Not what the word means at all. Not anywhere close. Matter of fact, in the Bible, when the word is, the word meek is used in the New Testament, if you were living in that day and reading your Greek version of the New Testament, you'd have a different word picture altogether. You'd have a picture, for instance, of a powerful stallion that was bridled. Okay? Brought under control, but the strength wasn't gone. The strength was there. The power was there. You know, Preakness, some of the most, some of the fastest, most powerful horses in the world compete at the Preakness. Guess what? They've tur- their, their control is a little guy sitting on top of them. Is that right? Well, Jesus isn't a little guy. <laughs> so what does it mean to be meek? Strength under control, very simply. Okay? So we have this promise. Happy are the meek, for the world is theirs. Here's a, a verse of scripture that I thought was fitting here. Christ who suffered for you is your example, following his steps. He never sinned and he never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. He could have. That was a choice. He could have called down 10,000 angels. There's a song, old hymn. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. Uh, he could have wiped out you know, the entire Roman Empire in in a word, but he didn't do it. He submitted himself. It goes on here to say when he suffered, he did not even threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. That's meekness. Jesus didn't give up his power and strength. He yielded it. He submitted. He was a servant. He was still God. He's our example, just as it says here. Meekness has always been God's way for humanity. And I've listed a bunch of verses up here. One that always intrigues me is what Moses wrote about himself. Okay, in Deuteronomy, or in Numbers. Now, the man Moses was very meek more than all the men that were on the face of the earth. Okay? It's almost like somebody who wears a badge for being the most humble. You know, but that's not the case. He was just being honest. Um... Casey Stengel, I think, is the one that said, it ain't bragging if it's true. <laughs> and that's the case. It, it was true. So, um, I must have hit some buttons here I didn't mean to. Meekness means I acknowledge God's power and holiness. And that's what Moses did. Moses, as a matter of fact, when we, we first meet Moses after he flees into the desert, he's more than meek. Um, he has a, he has a um, an inferiority complex. He's very insecure. And he says of himself, I can't even speak, which is interesting. Look in the book of Acts at what Stephen says about Moses, that he was powerful in speech, eloquent. Okay? God saw something different than Moses did. But that's not what meekness was. 
Moses began to recognize that he needed the power of God in his life to do what God called him to do. And guess what? God always gives us what we need to do what he tells us to do. So when we, uh, when we consciously choose to commit all our life and our will to Christ's care and control, that's demonstrating meekness. And it requires meekness. Because it's confident in who he, confidence in who he is, not in who I am, but in who he is. Deuteronomy 10:17. God, your God, is the God of all gods. He's the master of all the masters. A God immense and powerful and awesome. That was also written by Moses. See, Moses got it. He knew that he could not do what God called him to do without God. And God's saying the same thing to you and I this morning. When he calls us to commit, he's going to enable us to commit. And then it's also confidence in whose I am. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God. And when you become a child of God, you have the privileges of sonship. So you have an inheritance. And that's not just future, that's now. You know, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. God himself dwelling in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead gives life to our mortal bodies. Romans 8. So, the next part of that is, you know, consciously. Consciously choose to commit. That means it's my decision. Uh, It's an act of my will. You know, I'm not a robot. I... I willingly make this decision. And this is a decision that is not just made once, it's made over and over. It's a daily choice. We make the choice initially to commit our lives to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but then it has to play out in daily choices. Don't you realize that whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? You can choose sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God and receive his approval. Romans 6. All my life and will. That's everything. That's a, that's a bit daunting, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't feel I was being honest when I first saw that, and, you know, I can't just say I've done that. All. In the New Testament, when Jesus uses the word all, the Greek word means all. <laughs> So, um, when we say this, all my life and will, yes, there's an intention, an intention at the beginning of it, but it's also a, a journey, it's a process. I guess what, I like what Rick Warren said about this. It's choosing to commit to all that I understand about God at that moment, and to commit all that I understand about my life and will to all that I understand about God. That's going to change. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that's going to change. To Christ's care and control, the important thing that we need to understand is that He loves me. Now, I can tell you I had big trust issues. And... I got to a point where I didn't even know that I had never trusted God. And the moment that I realized that, I was just absolutely bum-fuzzled. It was the most perplexing thing that I ever 
experienced. The morning I prayed to give my life to Christ was the morning I realized I'd never trusted God. And I was just like, I can't believe I never trusted God. Why would I not trust God? Well, I had trust issues <laughs> that went very deep. But I had to come to the point where I knew God loved me and that I could trust him. Maybe that's where some of you are this morning. You know, you need to know that God loves you, and he loves you so much. He knows who you are, where you are, what you've done, what you're going to do, and he loves you. I hate to keep quoting Rick Warren, but I do like what he says about certain things. He says, God loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to let you stay there. That's good. So, going back to one of our other key verses here. Come to me, all of you who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me just as you are, because I love you. That's what Jesus is saying this morning. And this is the commitment choice. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Jesus says this, I came so that they can have a real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Again, why would you say no to that? What is keeping you from turning total care and control over to Jesus? What is holding you back from letting go and letting him? What does living one day at a time mean to you? I got one more verse. And um, I think this is the message paraphrase. It's one of my favorite verses. It's John 17, 3. And some of the traditional translations will say, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is really a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? It's a person. I like the way the message words this. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. Those are the people that have made that commitment choice. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the the one and only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. He's somebody that you can put your trust in. He's somebody that you can commit to. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that this morning. That invitation is wide open. It's for everyone, anytime. But I want, to, I want to invite you this morning because we're here and you've got support of people, many people that have already made that commitment. And when you make that commitment, you have a family to help you move forward. Maybe some of those barriers that we identified this morning, you have identified in your own life. Um, pride, guilt, worry, doubt, fear. You know, for me, I was afraid of making commitments because I didn't think I could follow through on them. Well, this is one commitment that I know I couldn't follow through without him. I'm committing to him, and he's already committed to me. So when I make that commitment, he's going to make sure that it finishes. Philippians 1.6 is a verse worth uh, committing to memory. Paul says, you know, I'm confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ. He's going to see you across the finish line. Okay? So, as we say in Celebrate Recovery, thanks for listening and thank you for letting me share.
Thank you. Holly, she's going to share a bit of her story with us. So let's welcome Holly as she comes. Turn Thank <laughs> you. 
but I'm telling you as a personal witness, God works if you truly let him. So step down and let God step up. You don't know what you're missing. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for your transparency and honesty. And um, this whole series that we're in right now is really about all of us coming face-to-face with Jesus, like Wes said, however we are. And I love how open and honest so many of you have been every Sunday when we ask you to share a story, sharing stuff that is tough and complicated and scary and all these different things, and yet you're honest. And it has produced such an amazing healing and such an amazing place of security and safety for people to have that opportunity to share life with one another. And so um, why don't you go ahead and and stand up. And I'm just going to close this in prayer. And I want you to know that if you have not yet gotten a copy of Life's Healing Choices, it's back there in the table. You're welcome to take a copy. And um, also, if you um, need prayer after the service today, myself and some of our small group leaders will be available to pray for you. You can just come up to the front. And if any of you um, heard Wes's call about, have you made that decision yet to meet Jesus face to face and have him be your Lord and Savior, if that's something you haven't done yet, and you would like someone to pray with you about that, or if you have questions about that, please come forward and talk to me or one of our small group leaders. We'll be happy to help you with that. Um, But let's go ahead and bow our heads and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for myself and for so many people, everyone in this room, God. We are either sinners or forgiven sinners, and that's Mm -hmm. it. Yes. And I thank you, God, that you allowed your forgiveness to come to me and to so many people in this room. Mm -hmm. And God, I pray that you would help us learn to be honest on a daily basis with you about what is keeping us from being and from allowing you to have total control. God, I pray that you would help us identify those things, that you would help us to lay those things at your feet. And God, I thank you that you are a God that helps us. You are a God that loves us Mm -hmm. more than we can even imagine. And because of that, you are constantly reaching out to us. And I just pray, God, that this week as each of us come to you, as we um, kind of wrestle in our own time with these things in our lives and issues that we have, God, I pray that you would let your presence be felt to everyone here in that prayer time. That you would allow your Holy Spirit to come and breathe grace and mercy and hope that can allow us to know that you want to be in control, that you want to help us. God, help all of us through this journey as we desire and hope to get closer to you. God, be our help, be our guide. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you for coming today. I think the sun's supposed to be out later. I hope you enjoy it. Have a wonderful Boy, that would be day. nice. God bless yeah. you. I have to wear dark glasses. <laughs> Thank you, Munchkin. I gotta get on hooked here. Okay, who does that for you? Joe. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do whatever.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 48. 48, not counting the kids. Ah! There you go. Let's keep it running.